You're listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. You guys ready for today? All right, we're going to be continuing on a series. By the way, I was just told children weren't told to be released, so if you haven't taken them, go ahead and take them. All right, today we're going to continue on a series we started a couple weeks ago called Breaking the Silence. And uh, we talked about, for two weeks, the topic of racism. We talked about how to love our neighbor. And uh, for me, and hopefully for you, it was a powerful couple of weeks. The Lord has taught me a lot. He has shown me a lot, things that I wasn't aware of, things that I believe has that have really changed my heart and my approach to how I live today in culture. And today we're going to continue on that, but we're going to pivot. We're going to pivot slightly to discuss a topic uh, that is uh, very relevant in our culture today, and it is the topic of the political spirit. Because if we've talked about money this year and we've talked about racism this year, what left is there to talk about except politics? Praise God. And uh, if you haven't noticed yet, this spirit is very evident and strong, not only in the world today, but in the church. And it is causing very good men and women to act very foolishly. That's true. You can respond to that one. Amen. I know for myself, I became painfully aware of the political spirit in my late teenage years. For those of you who didn't know, I actually... I was voted to our Woodland City Council at the age of 19. I don't know what everyone was thinking in this city, but they, for some reason, voted for me. And at the age of 19, I started to serve on the Woodland City Council. I remember running for the position. My name, Christofferson, was too long to fit on a sign, so I had to get like signs that looked like a stop sign. And uh, we were concerned that the police were going to tear them down because they were going to confuse people, but... It was pretty amazing to drive around town to see your name on a sign. Like, I felt like I'd arrived. Not only that, but for the very first time, I purchased a power tool. I purchased a drill gun. I know. I know. I was amazing, and uh, I screwed screws in the yard signs. Felt like a man. I purchased my first suit. I grew up a lot in my 19th year running for city council. My wife, who wasn't my wife then, we, we were just friends. She helped us. That's what spawned much of our love and affection. So if you're wanting to, to find the right one, just run for a public office. It will it'll change your life. And I remember uh, being on the city council, really not knowing anything. Like people would ask me my opinion. What do you think about business? Well, we should, we should change it by reforming business. Like I would just say things that sounded, I'd use words like reform. Like they just sounded good. And um, out of that, I began to be a campaign manager for quite a number of politicians in our area. Many who are still in office today, Congress, women, uh, state senators, state representatives, judges, people on both sides of the aisle. I was beginning to run their campaigns for about two to three years and uh, was learning a lot, was growing Um, but was realizing that it was changing me a little bit. I can remember my wife, um, we we got married during that season and she was like, Aaron, like this is changing you. You're becoming 
much more manipulative. You're beginning to be very critical. You're beginning to focus on how you can like be better than the next person because that's what that culture in politics was really all about. How can I show that I'm better than the person next to me? How can I make myself look good? And oftentimes we would be in a room trying to dialogue about, you know, what we would say about certain policies or certain things that we would be trying to promote as a team. And, and to be quite frank, sometimes it was just, what does that person say? Oh, they say that. Well, we're going to say the opposite. We didn't even really know what we, we just needed to come up with a phrase, with a belief system. And as long as it was contradictory to the person on the other side that we were running against, we were good. That's all we needed. And... I remember meeting many people out and about at different fundraising events, things where alcohol was served and I wasn't even old enough to be in the room, but I snuck in because I was allowed to be there. It was fantastic. And uh, I, I remember talking with people who wouldn't even know the person that was challenging my candidate and they would just, just destroy them. Oh, can you imagine how terrible they must be? They're a terrible person. They believe this. They want that. Like they're, they're trying to change our country. They're trying to change our state. And they're, they're, I can't even believe that somebody would vote for them. Never even talked to the person before. And I remember being in the church and coming to church and talking to people about maybe a candidate that I was helping run their campaign for. And the people in church were no different than the people at the campaign stops. They would be like, oh, yeah, I mean, that person that's running against her or him, yeah, they're a terrible person. Like, what they believe in, how could anybody want that to happen to this state or to this country? I remember being on the, the governor's uh, local uh, team and how we would vilify the person that was running against him at that time. I mean, it was terrible. And during that season, I became painfully aware of this Spirit, this political spirit that would come into my heart, that would come into anybody's heart, that would be in this arena, in, this, in that culture of politics that would just destroy us. It would create a very negative, criti a critical spirit of anybody who thought differently than us. And today, in, in our country, it hasn't gotten much better since about 10 years ago. It's gotten a lot worse That political spirit, which if you didn't know, we fight not against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities, powers of darkness, spirits. We are in a spiritual battle. Now, the good news is the end of the book has been written and you and I, we win. But we're still battling those spirits and we give them power over us. And that political spirit is trying to divide America, trying to divide you and people who might think differently than you. That spirit is doing its very best to try to remove every biblical principle from our country, trying to cause good men and women to act foolishly, and trying to cause the church to alienate anybody who might think differently than us. And that political and religious spirit is vying for your attention. And every day you are being lied to. Every day. Whether you watch... CNN or Fox News, whether you read articles on Facebook, because those are all true, you are getting lied to every single day. Not always because they're trying to manipulate your decision making, but because everybody has an agenda. I have an agenda. I happen to think that my agenda here on this platform is because Jesus lives inside of me, but we all have an agenda. 
And whatever you listen to, whatever you watch is trying to bring an agenda. Most of it is based upon fear. Most of it is trying to get you to believe that the world is falling apart. The world is worse off today than it's ever been. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is actually still alive. So I've got good news for you that we have nothing to fear because Jesus is with us. Now that, that political spirit is doing whatever it can to cause you and I to become offended at just about everything that moves or breathes. If you so much as happen to say something that contradicts my viewpoint, I'm offended. If you offend my brother, I am now offended at you. If you offend my wife, I want to kill you. This is what it does. If you say something that makes me feel insignificant or that I might need to change, I'm offended. I am simply offended. I'm a walking offense. This, this is what is so normal in our culture where if somebody happens to contradict you, I'm offended. The church is almost worse than the world sometimes. You contradict what I believe, I'm offended at you. How dare you? My son, I did this on a video that our church posted a couple days ago. My son, a couple months ago, was being eight and um, was having a bad attitude and was complaining because we were having him do chores so that he could eat food. In my house, if you want to eat dinner and lunch and breakfast, you will do what you're told to do. I'm not going to incentivize you except to say you can live here. You're welcome. So you are going to do chores so you can survive in this house and work. And he didn't like that. And so we sat him down at the table and we said, here's a scripture verse. You're going to write this 20 times until you can get this in your head. Do everything without complaining and grumbling and arguing. Oh yeah. And do it unto the Lord. And there were many tears to write that 20 times. But by the end of it, he has memorized that verse. I feel like some of us need to remember that verse today. Oh, you got to wear a mask. Oh my God, the world is destroyed. We got to put a mask on our face. We, we, we are so quick to complain and argue the moment somebody says something that we don't like. Did you know that you can still love Jesus with a mask on your face? Did you know you can still love and honor your leaders? And you can still disagree with them. That critical, argumentative spirit destroys you. And that political spirit is trying to do everything it can to distract you from why you're breathing. You are breathing to glorify God with your life. You are breathing on this earth to tell other people about the Jesus living within you. And you want to know what is very hard to be a light to the world when all you're doing is spreading darkness out of your mouth. Bill Johnson says this quote, I say that simply because if I said it, you wouldn't say, wow, but I tell you who said it so it'll make you feel like this is amazing. It says this, thanksgiving and praise gives me an audience with God. Thanksgiving and praise gives me an audience with God. What does murmuring and complaining give me an audience with? Thanksgiving and complaining gives me an audience with the presence of the Lord. Thank you. I knew I said it wrong. Thanksgiving and praise gives me an audience with the Lord. Complaining, arguing, murmuring gives me an audience with the devil, with principalities, with anger, with criticism, frustration, things that will destroy you. And if we're not careful, we are going to be promoting the devil's agenda the same way that those who don't know Jesus are. The first symptoms that you are under the political spirit is this. 
that you hate people you don't even know. You subscribe motives to people you've never met. And you justify it all as an act of nobility. Let me say it again. The symptoms that you're under the political spirit are you hate people you don't know. You subscribe motives to people you've never met. And you justify it all as an act of nobility or righteousness or I'm a Christian. See, the political spirit doesn't want to solve a solution. It just wants to win an election. Jesus is not a Republican. Okay? Jesus is also not a Democrat. Jesus does not belong to a political party. Jesus belongs to heaven, to a different kingdom. That kingdom is where you and I belong to. The Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. We come from a different kingdom, which means before you try to promote your agenda, why don't you try promoting his? Before you try to promote what you believe, why don't you try promoting what he states is truth? Before you start trying to tear somebody down and criticizing them, why don't you try praying for them? Before you are ever a voting Republican or voting Democrat, you are a Christian. Jesus is not a conservative. He's not a conservative. He is not a liberal. He is not an independent. And neither should you be one before you are first and foremost a follower of Jesus. That is your identity first. And if you can start there, it's amazing how much things will change that come out of your mouth, that come out of your typing on a keyboard. How can we bring peace to a world when we don't have it in us? How can we listen to a world when all we do is talk? How can we bring joy to a world when we're critical? See, Jesus happens to fight a little bit differently than we do. Let me give you an example of how Jesus fights his battles. Jesus is standing there in the garden and the Romans come to take him away to crucify him. Peter responds like many of us would in this room, like I have many times as we draw our sword because you ain't taking my king away like that. We draw our sword and we miss badly because we're a fisherman. And instead of killing a guy, we slice off his ear. Have you ever thought about that? Like, bro, you got a whole body to hit and you got the ear? How bad. Either it was a little tiny sword or he was bad. Just thought about that. That's pretty bad. He slices off the guy's ear. And then what does Jesus do? He doesn't say, good job, Peter. That's what I would have done. No, he says, put the sword away. He grabs the ear and reverses what he tried to do by resisting. Jesus fights with love. He fights with faith. He fights with peace. He fights with life. This is how the church is supposed to fight during times like this. How have you been fighting lately? Maybe not even verbalized. How have you been fighting in your heart? John 13, 34 through 35 says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. This is what the church does. The church says, hey, 
You over there, when you vote like me and think like me and act like me, then you can come in and be a Christian. Did you know it's really difficult for a Christian Republican to think that you can be a Christian Democrat? How foolish, as if you know what is in somebody's heart. Amen. We feel good? We're still here, no one left after that statement? What would it look like if love came out of our mouth rather than hate, rather than death? What if you realize that you're not the judge? You're a son. You're a daughter. Margaret Thatcher says this. The day the church does not rise up and speak is the day the political structure will collapse. Let me say it again. The day the church does not rise up and speak is the day the political structure will collapse. So maybe you're listening to me and saying, so are you telling me that we should do nothing, that we should not have an opinion? We should just let them roll over us and destroy this or destroy that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying learn how to do it the right way. You should have an opinion. You're entitled to it. You're entitled to have a preference. You're entitled to have a voting preference. You're an American. You get to choose which candidate you like, which one you don't like. But did you know when President Obama was a president, many people thought he was the Antichrist? Did you know that when Donald Trump now was president, many people think he is Hitler? I personally don't subscribe to those beliefs. Personally. I don't get caught up in worrying if the world is going to end. I was just reading in my Bible today in Psalms and it was talking to me, it was telling me, I forget the chapter now, but it was saying, don't waste your time on weighty matters. How is the world going to end? You know what? I don't know, but I I know how to live today. I'm not going to spend all my waking moments worrying about, is this going to lead to this issue? And I'm going to stand for truth, but I'm going to do it in love. And I believe you can do those simultaneously. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7 says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So if you speak in tongues, I'm so proud of you. But if you don't have love, you're like a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. I am better than you. My thoughts are right and yours are wrong. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It also protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Let me show you something. Let me illustrate this for you. Hang with me for just a minute. Let me illustrate this this verse. Let me just help you understand what the scripture is saying, okay? Donald Trump is the devil. This is what this sounds like to everyone else. Now I play the drums. 
That hurt my ears. Okay. A mask is going to take away all of my freedoms. Okay. How dare you think that way and call yourself a believer? You don't think like me? Let me give you a piece of my mind. This is what it sounds like to everyone. And that's what the church has been sounding like for a long time when it comes to politics. This is what I think. You're all wrong. I'm right. And if you don't listen to me, you're going to hell. You want to know what? You didn't hear anything I just said, did you? And the world doesn't hear anything you're saying either. Because you're trying to talk all the while. This is what they're hearing. And we're like, why won't they change? It's because you sound like this. And we're trying to preach the gospel. And we're like, Jesus loves you. And he wants you. And yet they're like, I, what are you even saying? And we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves followers of Jesus. How'd you like that? That was my best playing today on the drum so far. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> She's like, that's enough. Put it away. Thank you. I can always count on my wife to just bring me down just low enough to humble me. Praise God. Write this down. Criticism never changed anyone. Criticism never changed anyone. I'm pretty sure it's never changed you. I mean, think back to that time someone criticized you. Did all of a sudden you're like, you're right. I am a loser. I didn't know it. But now I know I'm, I'm terrible. Now, criticism never changed anyone. Oh, you're an idiot for thinking that way. Wow. You're right. I'm going to read you something. Stay with me. There are 66 books of the Bible. The first five were penned by Moses, who was a murderer. Most of Psalms was written by David, who was a murderer and an adulterer. Solomon wrote two books of the Bible, but the last years of his life, he went from foreign gods, or he went after foreign gods. Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible and was said to have been responsible for the stoning of hundreds of Christians before his conversion. James was Jesus' half-brother, and although he grew up in the same house, he didn't even believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. Peter wrote two books of the New Testament, but denied Christ three times before becoming the leader of the early church. If you rip out all the books of the Bible written by murderers and failures, you would lose, lose most of the New Testament and much of the Old. The Bible includes books written by people who didn't even walk with God at the end of their lives, yet their writing are still part of the Holy Bible, read by millions to learn how to walk with God. Just because somebody fails in life does not mean they aren't deserving of honor for the benefit their lives provided for the world at some point of their journey. If we held the writers of the Bible to the same standard we hold government leaders, entrepreneurs, and pioneers, I am not sure any of us would be reading the Bible today. It is never too late to become a world changer from God's perspective. Thank you. I didn't write that, but thank you. 
Aaron, you don't understand Governor Inslee. He is treading on my rights. He is, he is out to destroy America. You know, I've met many Democrats and Republicans who called the other side of the aisle like they're out to destroy me. And, uh, you know, when you actually sit down and talk with them, they want the same thing you do oftentimes. They want a great country. They want what they think is going to help the world get there. They just look at it differently than you. Does that make them a terrible person? No, it makes them different than you. In Bible, there are many places in Scripture where we find governors or uh, pharaohs or kings who did not hold the same belief systems as those who were called to serve them. Nehemiah, Joseph, Esther, Daniel. And you know what? God used them to come in and bring truth where there were lies. He used them to come and bring hope where there was destruction. He used them to come and to change hearts and minds. There's a political statement for you. Hearts and minds of all those who were in that domain. You and I are called to be Josephs, Daniels, Nehemiahs, Esthers. I may not believe what you believe. I might not want the same policies that you want. You may be pushing an agenda that I'm not for, but I can still honor you and love you. That may mean to you like we are not winning. Well, Aaron, if we do that, then no one will know. No one will know what's right or wrong. You know, we oftentimes say things like, you know, people in a third world country or in Africa, they never hear the gospel. You know, just by them looking at creation, the Bible says they are aware that a God exists. God doesn't need you like you think he might at times. Right and wrong. Righteousness can be shown without you going on a keyboard on Facebook and trying to criticize people. Promoting a political spirit. I can stand for truth. I am not promoting let truth be crushed. No, I will stand for truth when it needs to be stood for, but I will not do it at the expense of criticizing, of complaining, of tearing people down, but I can do it by speaking life. Romans 13, four says this, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Oh, praise God. I just love that verse. Anytime I like can't stand a leader, I just read this and I'm like, that's right, he's for my good. Maybe trying to teach me something. Maybe I'm to grow. Those in leadership over you are for your good. Think about that for a moment. Maybe you can't stand the president, Donald Trump. He's there for your good. Maybe you can't stand Governor Inslee. Guess what? He's there for your good. Imagine what this is teaching many people right now. Many might be failing. But the lesson is still available if they'll learn. Write this down. Love those who disagree with me. Love those who disagree with me. I'll be honest with you. I think at times it's easier for a Republican to embrace a drug dealer or a murderer than a Democrat. And you're all like, the use, not me, no. Or the vice versa. Easier for a Democrat to embrace a drug dealer than a Republican. 
And there's people in this room, you, you vote Democrat and there's other people who you vote Republican. It doesn't matter which side you're on. And the church has created this, this feeling where until you agree with me, we will alienate you. Until you vote like me, you're not allowed in. If you go to some small towns and you wear an Biden hat, you will be cast, the demons will try to be cast out of you. And if you go into some cities and you wear a Trump hat, oh man, you better be prepared. The church, the church is just as political as outside. But yet if a drug dealer walks in or a prostitute walks in, oh man, God loves you. Just want you to know you are, you are amazing. But you wear the wrong hat. You're thrown out. What are we doing? Are you kidding me right now? As if that's going to solve the problem. And we justify it by righteousness. Ha, I'm standing for truth. I'm standing for my president. But don't think about, or don't listen to what I'm saying about my governor. Like we're speaking out of both sides of our mouths. Isn't this a great message? Hallelujah. We all feeling good. Man, praise God. A.W. Tozer says this, it is a grave error for us evangelicals, or could you say any Christians, to assume that the children of God are all in our communion or all think like us and that all who are not associated with us are by de facto enemies of the Lord. The Pharisees made that mistake and crucified God as a consequence. There'd be a lot of Pharisees still running around in the church today. You don't think like me. You don't vote like me. You don't carry the same beliefs as me. You don't hold to the same sacred traditions that I do. Oh, you don't know Jesus. And yet as soon as Jesus is presented in front of them, they don't even recognize him. As soon as the Messiah they've been waiting for walks in front of them, they don't even recognize him. Matthew 5, 44 through 48 says this, but I tell you, love your enemies. Now, let me tell you something. A Democrat ain't your enemy and a Republican isn't your enemy. This is a little bit even more extreme. And this is what this is. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the unrighteous and the righteous. Righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, great. Proud of you. What is that to you? Even tax collectors are doing that. And even if you greet people who are only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect. Oh, don't you love that verse? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The church should act differently. We should look different than the rest of the world. We should love people who don't love us. Oh, you don't agree with me? That's okay, I love you. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. Love does not think I'm better than you. Love does not push my agenda. Love loves. Love lays down his life. Look at what Jesus did. Oh, you hate me? I'll die for you. And we're like, oh, you hate me? Let me pound you in the ground. And this has been around since the early church. Oh, this isn't for the Gentiles. This is only for the Jews. They aren't like us. They don't think like us. You think racism is brand new. It's been around for a long time in the church. 
And then it goes on to say, well, if they're going to be like us, if they're going to be Christians, and those Gentiles, they need to get circumcised. Now, I got to tell you, if I was an adult and I got circumcised, I'd be saying the same thing. If you want to be like me, you better go through the pain that I just went through. That was funnier in my head than when it came out. And then you read about how Peter is like not wanting to associate with Gentiles because it's going to hurt his image. And then Paul comes up and rebukes him and says, how dare you? How dare you care more about how people view you than loving those who need Jesus? Oh, I, I, don't, I don't really have any friends that are Democrats. Well, then you're probably not living like Jesus. You know, Jesus would probably have friends uh, that you would never want to be associated with. He'd probably be in those, you know, he'd probably be in the chop zone. He'd probably be at the Black Lives Matter march, the people that you're criticizing maybe. He'd probably be in those places, in those groups, talking to those people that you think, oh, Jesus would never be. No, he would be probably right there talking to the people that offend you, that make you angry, that hurt your feelings, that offend you. He'd be with them. But we can't do it because it might hurt our righteousness. It might mean that we're lowering our standards. You know, I can stand for truth and still love somebody I disagree with. We need to listen to the right information. Lately, I've just deleted social media off my phone. It's a whole lot easier. I might advise some of you to do the same thing. We need to start listening to what the word of God says rather than what the world says. Because when I read my Bible, it's the clear direction of how I'm to live my life. When I have subscribed to what the world is telling me that the world is ending, there's going to be the new world order. Sounds a lot like Star Wars. And uh, all these people in big white suits are going to come with their laser guns and kill me. When I subscribe to that, I live in fear. I actually start praying, Jesus, just come back and rescue me. I stop subscribing to, if you don't agree with me, then I'm against you. And we never listen. What was one of the things we talked about when we were discussing racism? We need to stop and learn and try to understand. Did you know a lot of people who think differently than you do in your mind actually think very similar to you do? Just a couple things that might be off. Welcome to church. Welcome to family. You know, my brother and I, we disagree on a whole lot. We're probably further apart than many Democrats and Republicans because of how different we are. But yet we work together and we pastor a church with a lot of other leaders who think very differently than us too. This is life. You talk to two Republicans, most of them don't think alike. One thing's one thing on immigration. The other thing's one thing on, on business reform. One thing's one thing on taxes. We don't all agree within an own party potentially. We expect every party, if you don't, uh, this, is, this is called free choice. But you know what you don't have a choice to do if you're a Christian? To love. Because as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I gave up my rights. The Bible says this, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Deny yourself. We need to start denying our rights that we have as a human being because now we serve Jesus. I don't have the right to get mad anymore. I don't have the right to get offended anymore because I follow Jesus. I'm too, too focused keeping my eyes on him that I don't got time to be distracted by everything else going on. And we need to pray. If your prayers were answered, would your world change or would the world change? 
Let me say it again. If God answered all of your prayers, would your world change or would the world change? I think oftentimes we get so focused on just praying for ourselves and our small little situation that we forget that we're commissioned by God to pray for a region, to pray for a city, to pray for a nation, to pray for the world that you are empowered with the Holy Spirit to speak into existence things that aren't. He lives within you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you and has empowered you to pray, has empowered you to shift culture. The church needs to be shifting culture, but we've been shifting it at times the wrong way with frustration, with arrogance, with hatred. We need to begin to shift it with love, with hope, with life, with the gospel of Jesus. And maybe you're sitting there saying, well, practically, Aaron, how do we do that? How do I shift culture? You know, I've been meeting with some people. Maybe you've heard about some things that are going on in Longview next weekend. A big event happening that's been getting a lot of publicity. And I met with the people organizing it last week. And um, they were talking about some of the things that they're trying to prove or trying to sway people. Or they've got, you know, I want to make sure we make this statement politically. And we want to stand for this. And... And I stopped him. I said, hey, just so you guys know, that's not going to change anything. Like, you promoting your agenda actually won't change your city. There's only one thing that will change your city, and it's Jesus. And until that becomes our motivation, we will lose every time. So you're saying, practically, how do we do this? You might start by going to Scott and saying, Scott, teach me Jad. Because if I can change somebody's soul, if the love of Jesus can come, come, can come, wow, can't talk, can come in and take a dead heart and turn it back to life. All of a sudden, you don't need to talk about politics. Are you kidding me? Now you just introduce them to the creator of the universe. Their life will be forever changed. Eric Johnson said this statement that I I love. He said, so often as Christians, we focus on the bricks without focusing on the house. We focus on, we we argue for years over one little brick, but you don't understand this brick is red. No, you don't understand this brick is pink. And we are, and this is what I, this is where I think it should go. And this this is where I think it should go. And we, we ignore the house that God has called us to build. He's called us to build a kingdom here on earth. And we argue so often over little things that we forget the kingdom of God. He has called us to build. How do you do this practically? You tell people about Jesus. That's how you promote the agenda of Jesus. You tell them about him. And yeah, you can have perspectives. You can have opinions. You can say, well, this is what I would do. Great, but can you do it representing him well? Almost done. Jeremiah 29, five through seven says this, build houses and settle down. Whew, thank you. I'm, I'm good with doing that. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. This is what Jeremiah is saying to those who are in exile in Babylon. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is written to people who find themselves in a land that they don't agree with. 
that find themselves in a land with a king that isn't their king, that find themselves in, in, in a country where we've got governors and presidents that I don't agree with, and this senator says this, and that politician over there says that, and, and all these activists are saying this, and I don't agree with anything. You want to know what the Bible shows us to do when we live in a land that we don't agree with? Settle down. Build a house. Raise your family. Grow. Plant a garden. And then pray for that land because if it prospers, so will you. So what's he saying? Build a house, plant a garden, create a legacy, put down roots, find wives for your sons to marry, grow, build a legacy there. Don't run. Don't run. Oh my gosh, Washington's just terrible right now. I'm ready to move, right? Because as soon as you move, you got there. So now it's going to have problems. Like when people are like, well, this church just isn't right for me. I'm going to go to a church that doesn't have problems. Well, when you get there, it now has problems. We try to run from problems, but oftentimes the problem is us. I'm being funny and light, but it's kind of true. Last verse, we'll be done. Second Chronicles 714. We've read this many times, but I want you to notice some keywords. If my people, if the church... Not of unbelievers, not of Democrats, not of Republicans. If my church, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, so if you do all those things, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We want the Lord to heal our land. Amen. We want the Lord to bring truth to our land. Amen. We want the division. We want the criticism. We want the anger and the animosity in our land to leave, right? This is how it happens. When the church, not when everybody else changes their opinion, not when everybody else votes differently, not when everybody, not when the president does this, not when a governor does this, when my church, when all of us humble ourselves, repent, turn from our wicked ways, and seek his face. The church is called to shape culture. Just as Margaret Thatcher said, if we don't rise up, it will go to ruins. The church is called to speak. It's not called to be silent. It's not called to ignore and stick our head in the sand. But how we do it is important. My dad used to say something to me. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. You could say the same thing to try to get across the same point and all they hear is that clanging symbol. I wish it was out here still again. Thanks, babe. All they hear is just that clanging symbol. They don't hear anything you got to say because you said it the wrong way. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to pray over our state. We're going to pray for this country, that this political spirit, and we're going to pray for ourselves, that this political spirit would be removed from our hearts and would be removed from our, our state in this nation. It starts with you, though. If the church, if the Lord's people, if you will start living like Jesus, it's amazing how things will begin to shift around you. Not your agenda, not your voting preference, but promoting Jesus. He is the only voting preference that matters. 
So do this with me. If you, if you feel like I'm speaking to you today, you feel like, man, I've been subscribing a little bit to this political spirit, maybe a lot. You're saying that to you, I just want you to put your hand on your heart. Father, this morning, I repent. We repent. God, for casting judgment on people just because we don't know them. For subscribing to a belief system that, Lord, I've got to, I've got to throw down people's throats, my beliefs to try to convince that. I got to criticize people that my duty is to try to um, tear people down. God, forgive me for being divisive in my heart to people who might think differently than me. Forgive me for not walking in love. Father, forgive me for, for being silent, for being even too scared to stand up, for thinking it's somebody else's problem, but not standing for truth. Father, for trying to promote my own agenda and not yours, for trying to build another kingdom and not your kingdom. And Father, we pray over this city, over this state, and over this nation. Father, we come against that political spirit in the name of Jesus. Break it in Jesus' name that this divide between Republicans and Democrats, Father, would be broken down in the name of Jesus. That even a church here in Woodland, Washington, that we can begin to break down walls in this state and in this nation in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would begin to bring love, that you'd begin to build bridges, that you would begin to bring unity into this nation and in the state. Father, we pray over Governor Inslee. We pray over him and his family. God, we pray you bless them. We pray you give them wisdom. Father, we pray you give them creativity. Uh, Activity and solutions and strategies, how to lead our state well, how to navigate this journey through this challenging season, what to do with the virus, what to do with the economy, Father, how to open up. God, give him wisdom and clarity of every step he should take. Father, we pray over Donald Trump and those leading in Washington, those representing us as a nation. God, we pray that you bless them, that the blood of Jesus would cover them, that the division there would end in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that you would begin to bring people, bring Josephs, bring Nehemiahs, bring Daniels, bring Esthers into rooms where they need to be brought into. God, that you'd give people the wisdom that you would begin to break down those walls of fear, break down those walls of animosity, break down those walls of bitterness, that there would be love and forgiveness, love that doesn't look at aisles, doesn't look at where they sit, what color they might be. Father, that looks at simply at the, the character of their heart, Lord, and says that, God, I will love people even if they disagree with me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you. You can come up. I encourage you these next four months or so, my math is off, until November, until the election comes. We'll pass that. You have a choice to make because it's only going to get worse. You have a choice to make. What are you going to promote? You're going to promote Jesus or you're going to promote a candidate? Now, I'm telling you, you can do both. But don't neglect promoting Jesus. You can promote a candidate in love and you can disagree with somebody in love. Let's represent Jesus well. Amen. Amen. Amen.